This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to Holocron Histories, Star Wars canon versus legends. We're going to take a deep dive into the lore of the Star Wars universe. Hello and welcome to the Holocron Histories podcast where we talk about all things Star Wars and its related lore. I almost for- just forgot what we talked about, but we talk about legends versus canon specifically in what exists in this old legends canon versus what now exists in the official canon, which comes from Disney. We talk about the differences and what was changed and all that stuff. And I am one of your hosts, Austin, also known as Teacup. And I'm your other host, Ben of Tamaria. All right. Well, Ben, you know, we last week we had our great patron chat and we had a lot of fun there. And this week we're back with more Mandalorians. Yes. For the third week in a row, we're talking about Mandalorians. (laughs) Right. And this week we are going over the canonical history of the Mandalorians from what Disney has published since, you know, the retaking of Star Wars and all that fun stuff. So, we start off with the Mandalorian Crusades and or the early expansion. So, originating from the planet Mandalore and the Outer Rim around the year 9991 BBY, the Mandalorian's history was one of the warrior's one of warriors who would become feared throughout the galaxy, gaining a reputation as missionaries and bounty hunters. So, I mean, basically what we have, we see all Mandalorians as basically already. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were also known to ride uh, Mythosaurs, and the Mythosaur skull emblem was one of the traditional em- symbols in Mandalorian icon. icon- Graphically? Iconography. Iconography. It's a fancy religious word. Um, If any of our listeners happen to be, you know, any form of the Eastern Orthodox, Greek, Russian, or other Orthodox, they use iconography a lot in their modes of worship. Oh, okay. Did not know that. Yeah, but those typical like pictures you see of religious settings that have like the big halos behind them and oh, those are okay. those are icons. Gotcha. So and then however, long before the Mandalorian Cataclysm, the creature has gone extinct even prior to the formation of the old republic. War dominated their way of life, which we see a lot. Uh, this life of war eventually turned to dreams of expansion, and a group of Mandalorian warriors known as the Mandalorian Crusaders began waging war against the other peoples to conquer their worlds. Armor-clad and wielding swords, the Crusaders laid waste to many worlds during their wars. And then the Crusaders conquered several worlds and systems beyond their own among the planets of Kronost, as well as Conquer Dawn, a planet bore scars of hundred war hundred wars, and almost a third of its planetary mass fractured and reduced to space rubble. Yeah, um, why are you trying to conquer a planet that's dead? Because they can. I guess, like, 
there's no point to that if a third of the planet's just rock. Uh, these early conquests remained part of the Mandalore sector during the later years of the Galactic Republic and in the reign of the Galactic Empire. During the Old Republic era, Mandalorian rally masters who wore distinct red armor and served as battlefield commanders during the Mandalorian Wars of Expansion. And then eventually the Crusader expansion spread to the Interim, where the devastated the planet Ubdura out of the contempt of for the native Durban Durians, who viewed as dishonorable cowards. That that sounds about right, how Mandalorians just like, oh yeah. You're weak? Nah. You just don't exist now. And then, in ancient times, a group of Mandalorian warriors known as the Mandalorian Neo-Crusaders existed during the Clone Wars. The Trandoshan big game hunter Garnacht owned a Neo-Crusaders helmet. Okay, I did not know that. I didn't realize the Clone Wars Trandoshan had a Neo-Crusader helmet from a Mandalore. Then we have the War Against the Jedi... So the Mandalorian Crusaders expansion eventually brought them into conflict with the Jedi Order and the Republic they protected. According to the ancient songs, Mandalore the Great, who held the title of Mandalore, was involved in the conflict. Their first confrontation with the Jedi Knights took the Mandalorians by surprise. Their use of the Force and powers it granted them um, was a challenge in which they have never seen before. Which makes sense since you know they're fighting creatures and other species with the same around the same tech mm-hmm. not anybody using space magic and laser swords so right. and then however the prideful nature of the Mandalorians would not allow that disadvantage to stand and they began to disp- devise ways to overcome the powers of the uh, intermatic Jedi. The result was a major advancement in technology and development of Mandalorian technology, specifically their arsenal and infamous armor. They also developed a fighting style that combined their entire arsenal and skills to allow them to counteract the Jedi's supernatural abilities. With these new technologies, the Mandalorians began to win their shares of conflict with the Jedi, uh, and their wep- warriors earned the reputation of being capable of confronting and defeating Jedi Knights. And these such um, arsenals was basically they made buckshots and slugs. Because, yeah, you can melt metal, but you can't melt the metal that's been melted. It's just going to splash in your face. Yeah. And then, you know, they probably also develop, I believe they developed Beskar around that time for deflection. I, it's unclear when exactly Beskar comes into play, but it's early on in Mandalorian history. Mm-hmm. And the generation's long conflict ensured an amenity that lasted for several wars and remembered by the wider galaxy. Even millennia later, during the Clone Wars, these clashes began between the Mandalorians and the Jedi Order became immortalized through cubist murals displayed in Mandalore's capital city of Sundari and on the moon of Concordia. 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 And then despite their near continuous conflicts, the Mandalorians and the Jedi were not always in conflict. The most prominent example of this was when the Mandalorian born Tar Vizsla 
founder of the powerful House Vizsla, was inducted into the Jedi Order as a child. True to his Mandalorian nature, Vizsla distinguished himself from his Jedi peers by creating the unique lightsaber, the Dark Saber. Mm. Yeah, that that that's all we get for the Dark Saber. By the way, like there's like zero little history on that lightsaber. Exactly. And then at some point in his life, Terra Vizsla became the, became the Mandalore, the sole ruler of Mandalore, and a revered figure among the people. Following his death, the Jedi recovered the Darksaber and returned to the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. Mandalorians later honored Vizsla by building a large statue of him on Mandalore to cement his legacy. And during the last centuries of the Old Republic, the Mandalore- Mandalorians struck at the very heart of the enemy's power. Members of House Vizsla infiltrated the Jedi Temple on Coruscant and stole Tar Vizsla's Darksaber. They used the saber to conquer the entirety of Mandalore and united the diverse houses and clans throughout their territory. So, we now have two Jedi examples of Jedi, I guess, effectively leaving the Jedi Order to become rulers of a planet which would be tar vizsla mm-hmm. and count dooku oh that's right i forgot dooku just take over a planet and mm-hmm. i completely featured that. featured in episode two first two episodes of season two of the bad batch i still need to watch that <laughs> <laughs> that's good to know yeah but yeah, so I just thought that was interesting. Carvisla leaves to become Vandalore. Count Dooku leaves before become Count of Serrano. Mm-hmm. Both of them are not. I would say they're not good Jedi. I guess neutral. Well, Carvisla, I would say neutral, because he he went with the Jedi code, but he also standed with his morals as a Mandalorian. You know, if Dooku didn't, you know, like murder and torture people he'd be very uh, middle of the road when it comes to like force users but it's that whole uh murder and torture people and spoilers for tales of the jedi uh but the killing of a fan favorite jedi master yeah Uh, it's yeah Poor, poor, yeah, spoiler, poor Yaddle. Mm-hmm. Like, she, Yaddle did not deserve that. And now we know why she's not in episode three. Or is it episode, episode two? Two. Two, yeah, we see Yaddle in the, on the council in episode one. It's like, oh, look, another Yoda. And then episode two and on, we's like, what happened to the other Yoda? What, what, what happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we find out what happens in Tales of the Jedi. I'll be quite honest with you. Like, okay, so I was... I was seven when Phantom Menace came out. Seven-year-old... Seven-year-old Austin did not care there was another Yoda. He was like, hey, there's Yoda. And that's all he saw. He did not even know... Like, I didn't even notice there was another Yoda until I, like, went back and watched it as, like, a 17-year-old. Right. I mean, it's just one of those, and Yaddle's only in one scene. Exactly. It's it's super easy to miss, um, because it's just one scene. But Yaddle had a, like that specific character had a name, and it was in some books, and then recently came back in some books. 
and Tales of the Jedi. Yaddle shows up in the High Republic era. Yes. So I think she and Yoda are both mentioned, at least in the first book. Yes. Uh, Yaddle actually has a like dialogue in one of the last books of Phase 1. And Yoda actually appears in quite a bit of the comics for mm-hmm. the Phase 1 of High Republic. I have yet to look at Phase 2 or read Phase 2, but I'm sure I haven't even finished too. Phase 1. There's a lot. It doesn't help. It was it. a slog to get through Light of the Jedi. Yes, that's why audiobooks are great. I just listen to it when I'm driving, so I'm not have to like force myself to read it. But now we have the decline, so the de- destruction or devastation of Mandalore. Despite the unity of House Vizsla that had brought to Mandalore, such was the warrior temperament of the Mandalorians that did not uh, last. Constant warfare and relentless campaigns of conquest ravaged Mandalore. Warlords from various clans emerged to fight the Jedi, but also to fight among themselves. They like to fight, so they just kill each other. It's a lovely time. It's the Mandalorian way. This is the way. <laughs> uh, the last great struggle between the Mandalorian warlords and the Jedi occurred on Mandalore itself and caused a cataclysmic event that devastated the planet, scorching much of its surface into a lifeless white desert. They they, they glassed themselves, basically. Which is why Mandalore looks the way it does when we... We see it in Clone Wars. Yep. Yep. Uh, this uh, the this event ended the war between the Mandalorians and the Jedi, as well as the Mandalorians' dreams of expansion. As a result of their homeworld's devastation, a major focus on reconstruction occupied the warriors for a time. The uninhabitable conditions of Mandalore's surface forced them to adapt, just as they had adapted to the Jedi's use of the Force. And then instead of abandoning Mandalore, they constructed sealed dome cities, such as the capital city of uh, Sundari. Other Mandalorian clans chose to settle in worlds of the Mandalorian sector, such as Clan Wren on the sh- uh, snow planet of Kronounst, uh, while the Mandalorian protectors established a base on the third moon of Concord Dawn. And then as the victorious Jedi helped establish its new Galactic Republic as the dominant galactic government, the Mandalorians remained isolated in their sector. The Mandalorians' warrior's way and desire for conquest remained alive, eventually leading to civil war. Yeah. Thanks to team. Yeah, and we'll get into the civil war part because that's exactly why. Yeah. Satine is... um. Satine's a character. (laughs) That's for sure. But I think this is a good time to take our mid-break. All right, let's get into it. All right, welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about all things that have to do with the podcast, but not Star Wars lore. And it's here where we thank our patrons. Thank you to all of our patrons who support us. We greatly appreciate all of the support you give up, you give us for this show. If you would like to sign up on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash holocron histories. 
and sign up there for various tiers. If you sign up for the $20 tier, $20 a month tier or higher, you can come and join us once a month on the show for our patron chat, which we had last week. Uh, we talk about all kinds of things, the upcoming news, all different topics, reactions. If you want to come and voice your theories, that is the place to do it. You can sign up and get there. Great to do that. Another great way to support us is to leave us ratings and reviews on Apple and Spotify. If you re leave them with some kind words and five stars, we will read it out on a future episode of the show. You can also come and hang out with us on Discord on the Cups Podcasting and More or the Robots Radio Discord where you can just hang out with us there. Also, if you want to catch us live, if you want to be a part of everything going on, we do live stream on Twitch at Twitch slash Ben of Tamaria on Ben's Twitch account. So we stream there. You can come and hang out with us and tell us all of your theories right in the chat there. And, you know, if we see it, we might even give you a shout out on the show there. Yes. Does I want to say that's pretty much it. You just dove right into it. I did. I did. Again, you can come hang out with us on Discord on the Cups Podcast mm -hmm. and more or the Robots Radio Discord. You'll find channels there for all of our other shows. My other shows, the Assassin's Creed Lorecast, Dragon Age Lorecast, Inheritance Cycle, Page by Page Podcast. Also Ben's other show, the Wizarding World Lorecast, which also does a live stream. Yes, we also do live streams for that on Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, 7 p.m. Pacific. Uh, yeah, and it that's going very well because Hogwarts Legacy just dropped literally today as we record this on the 7th for the deluxe edition and yeah the game's booming so yeah you can go check all that out there but i think that's all i've got unless you we have a review to read we do not this week all right well then i think let's get back into the lore cool you're muted I heard the blaster shot this time. Yes. <laughs> but not the screen. Well, it's one of two parts. <laughs> Progress. Progress, yes. So, as, you know, we just went over uh, before the break where, you know, their console civil war. Um, what really kicked that off was pacifists. <laughs> they became pacifists. Pacifists? Pacifist. Right. Yeah. Pacifism. Yeah. During the Battle of Kerr in the High Republic era, Admiral Pelvar Pelvel Coronar uh, of the Republic Defense Correlation noted the Mandalorians had been re relatively peaceful since before its birth or his birth. In the years prior to the invasion of Naboo, another conflict broke out between the Mandalorian people, the Mandalorian Civil War. The Civil War was fraught between comp uh, competing ideals within Mandalorian society, including traditionalists who su supported Mandalore's warrior past and the new Mandalores, led by Satine Kreis. Uh, so how do you say, say the last name? Kreis. 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 Also involved were the Mandalorian protectors of Conquer Dawn, an elite group of warriors sworn to defend Conquer Dawn's system. At the end of the Civil War, Satine Kreis ruled as Duchess of Mandalore, and the warrior clans were exiled to Concordia, 
Uh, some of these clans became Death Watch, plotting their coup against the new regime, while others left Concordia and resettled on other parts of the galaxy, becoming the Old Mandalores, or Mandalorians. These Old Mandalorians started working as private mercenaries with no interest in revenge. And then at some point before 32 BBY, a series of conflicts known as the Mandalorian Civil Wars took place, in which the Mandalorian Commando and Foundling, Jango Fett, participated. It was during the wars that the skilled warrior attained distinctive Mandalorian armor. So this is where like Jango Fett starts earning his name before well before the Clone Wars. Right. And then So, so in this uh so this is interesting because in canon or in legends, Jango Fett is born a Mandalorian and then mm-hmm. adopted into the clans. This time he is not. Mm-hmm. born a mandalorian he's ex- he's just like din Djarin, um the mandalorian from you know the show mandalorian he was a foundling well Django fett's a foundling just same same exact way they were found and adopted into a cl- some random clan right and then Satine gradually rebuilt following the damages caused by the war. The considerable number of deaths had left Satine with a fierce hatred of violence, and she became a staunch pacifist. Uh, she reformed a Mandalorian way of life. She also established a Mandalorian government council that had several ministers, a cabinet in which led by a prime minister. By the time of the Clone Wars, the position was occupied by Almac under the rule Mandalore prospect and turned into a modern and peaceful society this new government also eventually joined the galactic republic and that's only because Satine had a thing for space jesus hey 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 probably see right And then the final years of the Republic, Jango Fett was considered the best bounty hunter in the galaxy. The Mandalorian bounty hunter's reputation attracted the attention of the Sith Order and was offered to become the clone template for the Grand Army of the Republic on Kamino. Fett accepted the offer and the Kamino cloners used his genetic material to create genetically modified clones, as well as two unaltered clones, Omega and Alpha, the later whom Jango would take as a son and name Boba Fett, teaching him their family's trade. And then the Mandalorian armor fet war inspired that the clone troopers. Additionally, the Mandalorian protectors also aided the Republic in training the clone troopers, with at least one of Fett's clones, CC-1138, being trained by an ex-journeyman protector. And Fett's clones acted as the Republic's backbone during its war with the Confederacy of Independent Systems, a galaxy-wide conflict known as the Clone Wars. When the Clone Wars erupted, Satine crews cries um made sure that the mandalore and the new mandalorians remained neutral and continued to prosper she then became leader of the council of neutral systems a galactic senate conglomerate of 1500 star systems who wished to stay out of conflict spoiler they do not stay out of the conflict not at all not at all and then now we have the resurrection so unknown, unknown to the new Mandalorians, the Congodorian uh, governor Previsla revived the Mandalorian warrior culture as Death Watch. Uh, among the leadership of the group was Duchess Satine's sister, Bo-Katan Kre- uh, Kre- Krez, 
the leader of Night Owls, a group of elite female warriors. Death Watch began committing terrorist acts against the pacifist regime, uh, including attacks on Mandalore, on a Republic cruiser, and on Kavalia, a planet of the Mandalorian sector who had, had been colonized by Mandalorians. Vizlip longed to restore the warrior heritage of the Mandalorians and conspired with Count Dooku of the Confederacy of Independent Systems. Vizsla hoped that the Republic would believe an intervention was necessary so Death Watch could fight their invasion and was hauled by the Mandalorians as heroes. However, the plot failed and the Galactic Senate rejected the Mandalorian Mandalore Defense Resolution. The outcasts of Death Watch uh, fled became... The outcasts of Deathwatch fled to become mercenaries constructing a base on Carlock, and the groups began plotting their revenge. Allen first with the Separatist Senator Lux Bontari uh, to plot Dooku's downfall, and then the renegade Sith Lord Maul Shadow Collective to win back the support of Mandalore's people. However, after Vizsla betrayed Maul, Maul killed him and became Deathwatch's leader, prompting Bo Katan Kriz to rebel against him, forming the Mandalore Resistance. And then we have Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi investigated the coup, but was captured, uh, and Maul killed Satine. Despite him, Kenobi escaped and returned to inform the Galactic Republic. In the meantime, Supreme Chancellor Sheev Palpatine, secretly the Dark Lord of the Sith, Sidious, captured Maul and imprisoned him in the spire on Sygean Prime. And I will have to say, that was a sad episode to watch. Yes, it was. Though, I don't know if you remember the episode where Obi-Wan and Anakin, I think, went to go rescue Satine. And it was against another... I think it was against one of the old Mandalorians. And he's like, you can't kill me, a Jedi can't kill me. And Anakin just stabs him through the gut from the back. Yes. And I was like, oh, dude, why? <laughs> like, come on. Well, yeah. it was the thing is like, Obi-Wan won't kill me because then you'll be a murderer to your beloved Duchess. And Anakin just stabs and he's like, hi, I'm Anakin. Yep. Hi, I'm going to be a new Darth Lord of the Sith and nobody will know it till yet. <laughs> I think 0% of the time and just solely act on impulse. Oh, without a doubt. And then uh, Maul's Mandalorian Super Commandos proved to be loyal in freedom, but nonetheless Maul's hold on Mandalore collapsed. Following the siege of Mandalore, Bo-Katan uh, was named Regent of Mandalore. Eventually, Kriz uh, was ousted by Clan Saxon and was refused to follow the Emperor Palpatine, and the planet was ultimately occupied by the Galactic Empire. Meanwhile, the Protectors, who had regarded Death Watch as traitors, not only assisted the Grand Army of the Republic in training clone troopers, but also aided the Republic during the war. Skull Squadron, a squadron of Protectors commanded by Fen Rao, assisted the Republic by training the clone trooper pilots and fought in the Third Battle of Maigito. And we see Fen Rao in Rebels. We do. And he's a good Mandalore. Mandalorian. I keep saying Mandalorian. Mandalorian. And now we get to the Age of the Empire. So under Imperial rule... Uh, yeah, I know. It's New Empire. Empire. Yes. 
Under the Imperial occupation of Mandalore, Rao's protectors established a base on the third moon of Conquered Dawn, getting paid by the Empire to protect the system on their behalf, while other Mandalorians would fall under their leadership of Gar Saxon, with some of them joining the Imperial military as Imperial Super Commandos. During the Imperial era, Boba Fett, the cloned son of the famed Mandalorian bounty hunter Jango Fett, followed his father's footsteps and had become the best bounty hunter in the galaxy, keeping the Mandalorian legacy alive by donning his father's distinctive Mandalorian armor. Fett was eventually defeated by the heroes of Yavin and fell into the great pit of Carcoon through though he managedly survived, which we finally actually see finally in Book of Boba. And the the best, heroes of Yavin. Yeah, you mean uh, right. the OT the yeah. OT trio. Yes. The original trio, yes. Actually, I'm pretty sure that it is Han who just like it's like he just like bumps into him and falls. Yeah, it's embarrassing because like Han's blind, like mm-hmm. he's blind. He's carbonite blind and, at the current at the time when he falls into the pit. Right, and so Chewie's like, "Oh, Boba Fett's there," and Han's like, "Boba Fett." He turns around and just happens to like hit a button on his jetpack that sends him flying. Yeah, it it was kind of like the best bounty hunter being bested by a blind smuggler. Yeah, not the best. But uh, additionally, Sabine Wren, who was a member of Clan Wren, operated as a bounty hunter for a time alongside fellow Mandalorian Ketsu Onyo. Onyo? However, Sabine later became a member of the small rebel cell of the Outer Rim planet Lothal, known as the Spectres, who regularly raided the Imperials for supplies uh, which they disturbed to the needy, dis- distributed to the needy, and later became a larger part of the Rebellion, the Alliance to Restore the Republic. Late years later, the Alliance would ally itself with several Mandalorian clans during this war with the Empire. Meanwhile, Ketsu continued with her bounty hunter career, joining the Black Sun crime syndicate. Boo, the Black Sun are terrible. And then, now we have the Galactic Civil War and the Fragmentation. So, in 2 BBY, Gar Saxon's Imperial Super Commandos wiped out the Mandalorian protectors. As a result, Rao decided to join the Rebellion. Later that year, Sabine Wren found the Darksider on Dathomir after she... uh, Cannon Jarrus and Ezra Biller Bridger fought a battle mere, uh, there against Maul. At the urging of Finn and the rebel, rebel leaders Harris and Dula and, and Jarrus, Sabine agreed to begin training with the Darksaber that she could reuni- reunify her people and rally them to help the rebellion. Which honestly is like the best training montage because we get a lot of like Mandalorian lore in that episode. With Kanan and, and Sabine, which is great. Kind of hinting at the Mandalorian Wars for the Old Republic. Specifically. It's one of the best scenes in all of Star Wars animation. And I will continue to die on this hill. But I know that a lot of the animation is cringeworthy. Looking at you, Anakin, in the Rebels. But... 
it I I enjoy the storytelling a lot more and I think it's better than Clone Wars and a lot of its storytelling. Oh, I agree. Rebels storytelling was phenomenal. And how they like introduce like bits and pieces of legends in there, but also like keeping it like you know, its own thing. Um, and then following Sabine's training, she, Rao, Jarrus, and Bridger return to uh Cronounced as Clan Ren's stronghold, there Sabine attempted to convince the clan leader and her mother, Countess Ursa Wren, to join the rebellion. At first, Ursa decided to surrender to the, the Jedi to Viceroy Saxon and his Imperial Super Commandos in exchange for the Darksaber and sparing her daughter. When Saxon branded her and Clan Ren enemies of the Empire, Ursa and her son Tristan fought Saxon and the Commandos alongside Rao and the Jedi. When Saxon tried to kill Ursa with the Darksaber, Sabine took Bridger's, Bridger's lightsaber and fought Saxon. Sabine was then able to reclaim the Darksaber and subdue Saxon. When Saxon tried to shoot Sabine, uh, he was killed by Ursa. Which, that fight scene was also awesome. Having a non-Jedi using a lightsaber against, you know, the Darksaber. A non-Jedi saber. using the lightsaber? Yeah, it was awful. It was awesome. Uh, his death created a power vacuum amongst the Mandalorians. Sabine uh, then decided to stay behind and help her mother, uh, Clan, and Rao find Mandalore's true leader to whom that she would give the Darksaber. In 1 BBY, Clan Wren, under the leadership of Ursa and Sabine, fought on Mandalore against Clan Saxon and the Empire. Sabine then offered Kriz the Darksaber, and then she refused, knowing she would not be the leader her sister Satine had been, meaning Bo-Katan. The combined Mandalorian and Rebel forces managed to infiltrate Saxon's Star Destroyer. Following a skirmish, they destroyed the Duxious and Saxon's vessel. After the battle, Lady Bo-Katan assumed the Darksaber and the mantle of leadership over the Mandalorian clans. The Vizslas, Wren, Kriz, Rooks, Alders, and the sole remaining protector, Fen Rao, pledge allegiance to the new Mandalore. Kriz's reign as Mandalore was short-lived, and the Empire started the Great Purge of Mandalore, killing millions of Mandalorians. Yeah, um, she's not Mandalore for barely anything at all, and they get purged because the Empire being the Empire. Boo, they suck. <laughs> and then during the purge, Mandalore was heavily bombed in the Night of a Thousand Tears. The Children of the Watch avoided the purge as they were cloistered on Con- Concordia. The Darksaber was taken by ISB officer Moff Gideon. The Rebel Alliance would also receive help from the old Mandalorian faction with a battalion of Mandalorians from Velmoth Port aiding rebel forces against the Imperial Task Force led by Rauchio Envery during the Battle of Z- Zeron? Exron? Something like that. Sure. It's X O R R R N. So, yeah. Weird. Uh, but yeah, um,. That's when uh, Moff Gideon gets the Darksaber is during, you know, the Siege of Mandalore for, like, the millionth time and gets bombed. Yeah. 
I feel like if Thrawn and Gideon were in the same room, they would just have a conversation of like, who can just like talk the most? Like, let me like talk pompously to you. Right. And they would just be competing with each other to be the most pompous one in the room. Yep. I can see that. Yeah. (laughs) Now I kind of want to see that because they're, they're both alive at this point. Because in Mando season three, Moff Gideon's still alive. He didn't die. Thrawn is now like confirmed to be alive. So who knows? We might see that. <laughs> so and then we get now get to the New Republic era. So this is all based from the Mandalorian. So we have the hunt for Grogu. Following the Great Purge, surviving Mandalorians went into hiding, and the Mandalorian people were believed to have perished completely. By 9 ABY, a Mandalorian tribe af- affiliated with the Children of the Watch was hiding in a covert on Navarro, a world under the outer reaches of the galaxy. One of the members was the bounty hunter Din Jaren, known as the Mandalorian. And then, yeah, we get the events of Mandalorian Season 1 and 2 there. And then it then follows up with Book of Boba. So we all, if you go, go and watch those seasons. They're great if you haven't watched them yet. I don't know anybody who hasn't. Uh, watch Boba Fett. It is kind of a slog to get through like the first four episodes because it is a slog. Dude, hold on, hold, hold on, hold the, on, hold on. The only You're good parts me. was the was the Tuscan stuff. Everything modern day was just dreadful to watch. Oh come on! But the Tuscans, like that's the only good thing about the show is the Tuscans. Tuscans. Tuscan, get, get I would t- watch a whole show about Tuscan lore. Oh, I would. I would too. It was great. I just, I hated, I hated the modern day stuff because here we have cyborg go-go Power Rangers on weird Power Rangers colored cycles. And like, what? And it's a terrible chase scene. Oh, come on. You're telling me that's good. I, I like my Star Wars. Star- <laughs> Look, Star Wars is, Star Wars is the best when it's bad. that's fair that is fair (laughs) so Mandalorian armor struck fear in the hearts of uh, many across the galaxy then tradition hunter Garnak kept the Mandalorian Neo Crusader helmet as a trophy Boba Fett a human male bounty hunter of Mandalorian heritage wore armor inherited from his father Jango Fett a famed Mandalorian bounty hunter raised as a foundling keeping the memory of the Mandalorians alive well into the Galactic Civil War Django's armor inspired those of the soldiers cloned from him, starting a design lineage that continued down this to the stormtroopers of the First Order, which I will say the First Order armor is not as cool as clone armor. Let's, let's be honest. Clone armor is the best it's armor. Not, well, it's not personalized. It's just a sea of white armor. Who cares? Yeah. And supposedly from Rex, it's not that good either. From like nope. stormtrooper armor, like Rex, it's like this. This armor sucks, and you apparently yep. can't see through the visor, so it shows how they're all terrible shots. Still, that's also bad, probably bad training too. Uh, following the Great Purge, the majority of the Mandalorians had been killed, making them a rare sight in the galaxy. Wrong group known as the Tribe survived and hid on Navarro, though later they were mostly exterminated by an Imperial regiment. Afterward, Din Djarin was tasked in searching the galaxy for Grogu's species as their own clan. Several Mandalorian war banners decorated the entrance of Maz Katana's castle on the planet of Takodana. 
And that's that's all we know about Mandalorians until the new show comes out. Until season three of The Mandalorian, which drops in a month. mm Mm-hmm. Do you have any last thoughts about any Mandalorians before we wrap up? Um, the Mandalorians of the Old Republic are the best. It's true. It's true. So these are facts. They're that it's not an opinion. That's a stated fact. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's all I got. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I got. So thank you all for listening to the Holocron Histories podcast, and we will see you next week. And may the force be with you. Thank you for listening to Holocron Histories, Star Wars Canon versus Legends. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can also follow us on Twitter at SWHoloHistories and contact us at holocronhistories at gmail.com. Hi, welcome to Three Count Thoughts. Let me introduce the crew real quick. Hi, I'm Maverick Stone. I'm Romer. And I'm Jaxus. Join us as we talk all things wrestling. Each week, we'll take a topic from the wrestling world, knock it around a bit, and then go over the week in wrestling from a strictly fan perspective. We can be found on all major podcast catchers. We can also be found at Three Count Thoughts on both YouTube and Twitter. Or you can send us an email using 3CountThoughts at gmail.com. Okay, are you ready? Ring the bell. <laughs>